a special signing day edition of MGO Radio. Uh, we're a little bit late because I forgot it was signing day. <laughs> this didn't used to happen. What used to happen is February 2nd was like this like nationwide orgy of recruiting information. Not Alex. Um, but then they moved it to December and it kind of got lost in the shuffle. And now with the portal, it's like... Everybody's talking about, oh, are they going to get Dante Moore? Are they going to get Jay Sean Barham? And like, oh, the the recruits who might play for us in three years or two years or transfer somewhere else. It's it's um, a different world out there, guys. Well, we had one announcement we were waiting on today. It was Ed Opai, and he decides to go at the same moment that we were going to launch this podcast. And Barham goes at the same time. So like all of our news oh. just kind of compressed to that one little spot. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what, like, the current state of this seems sort of untenable before we actually get into the uh, actual recruits is that it kind of feels to me like they should go back to the old signing day. Just have all the coaches get all their stuff put away, have the portal open and close. And then at that point, everybody could make better educated decisions about what they're going to do, both coaches and recruits. Steve, what do you think about that? Oh, by the way, this is Steve Lorenz of 24-7. <laughs> What's up? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's become, yeah, signing day is nothing like what it used to be, like you said, Brian. Uh, matter of fact, even as somebody who does this full-time, uh, I made plans to go to Chicago tomorrow and realized on Monday that signing day was on Wednesday. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it just creates a whole nother situation for staffs. I mean, Michigan fortunate though, because they they didn't really, this was a little, the most stress-free cycle as far as recruits go that I can remember. The portal hasn't been too stressful for them at this point either. Uh, but yeah, I think, I, you know, I think going back to February, giving the kids more time, you know, yeah. And also allowing the coaches to a little bit of a breather uh, after football season uh, would probably in the, be in the best interest of everybody. I mean, right now you have kids, probably a ton, probably more than ever, uh, are probably signing with, and, and you know with schools that they might not even really be 100% sure they truly want to sign with deep down right now because there's so much pressure throughout the process. Uh, their football season's just got over too. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a mess, uh, to be totally honest with you. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, fortunate for Michigan, uh, easy to cycle. I mean, this was the most, this was just, you can't, I cannot describe how laid back and, and easy this recruiting cycle turned out uh, to be for the coaching staff. Well, that's uh, uh, a good thing for uh, a coaching staff that now has to coach uh, a playoff game, recruit the portal. And uh, I guess having these recruits signed and put away is, is something that they don't have to worry about. So that's the good thing about, the early signing days that now those guys are locked in more or less. I mean, unless there's a coaching change. Right. And, you know, I think you guys probably see it too. I think with Michigan, they're very big on like it fit has always been pretty big, but I think it's become, they've done a better job of balancing potential plus talent plus that fit. So I don't think it's a situation like all these kids are going to sign with Michigan today. I was like, I don't think there's any, you know, like, again, I think there's kids that could ask out of there. Was it, I remember Brew McCoy at USC asked out, asked out of his LOI a couple of years ago right after signing day. Like, I don't think there's no flight risks or anything like that for, with Michigan's group. So, yeah, I mean, 
that's like the biggest drama drama today has been how come Michigan isn't posting these on social media fast enough. I mean, that's, that's like the biggest like dumb storyline that's, that's developed today on Michigan's end of things. Uh, So yeah, again, I I think if the staff could have every cycle like this, I think they would take it 10 times out of 10 easy. All right. Well, let's start with the most recent commit. Um, what what's his name? Edo Pai. <laughs> Edo Pai. Lugard Lugard Edo Pai. Okay, so the K is silent. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. I didn't know either, to be honest with you. So night night Syrian. My dad spoke Yorba for some reason. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is another kid who looks like he's following the Ojabo path, a huge riser in the twenty four seven up to hundred sixty nine. Six foot six, two hundred and thirty pound edge player. You know, Michigan lost a couple guys that they thought they were going to get on early in the cycle, and this is uh, a really nice pickup to round out that edge class. So I, I think things ended up working out great for Michigan at edge. Uh, I would take Lugard over Jacob Smith and Elias Rudolph. Uh, I would take Devin Baxter over both of those guys. Uh, I, I think Michigan ended up making out, given the circumstances. Right? It's odd because edge is a spot you feel like prospects should just be crawling to go to Michigan for. I mean, we're seeing, uh, I think there's like six or seven guys in the NFL right now, Michigan guys in the NFL right now who have at least like two sacks or something like that. Uh, Just insane. The amount of guys that they've pumped in at that position. Uh, And yeah, for a while, it kind of looked like their most tenuous spot, Uh, you know, after the Smith decommitments, Rudolph opens it up. Uh, Looked like they were going to get Darian Mayo on a good council for a while. He, he committed to Clemson instead, uh, but to get Baxter and then uh, Lugard today, I think are two huge pickups. I think one through three just as pure edge, like pass rushers. This might be their most talented trio under Harbaugh, just as far as pure pass rushers. Not all the guys who ended up turning into pass rushers were necessarily recruited out the gate like that, but these guys are all six, five plus beautiful frames that they can add weight to very easily. And uh, all have the, I'd say, the requisite athleticism to do so as well. So, yeah, I think they're ecstatic with how they finish out here. Yeah, when when you lose a guy in the in the recruiting process, like Elias Rudolph or whatever, right? Like you 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 hope that Michigan can turn around, find a guy who like you know just converted from wide receiver or converted from basketball recently is like six foot seven, two thirty, and you can just like okay, those are the kinds of guys who pop and. That's exactly who this guy is. It's normally it's like a hope, right? It's like a, okay, maybe we'll find one of these guys. And now every single time Michigan has a decommitment in the middle of the cycle, they're going to be like, ah, they'll just find a Lugardetto Pai later. Well, and and Baxter's the same guy, right? Mm-hmm. So Baxter's six six. He's two twenty five. He's rated. He's the number two nineteen prospect on twenty four seven, and he's also a basketball player. So both of these guys are just sort of in that like. Taco Charlton, first guy off the bus, like mode, where you're going to get him in the program, pack some weight on him, teach him some skills, and then see what you have in a couple years. I think the difference is these guys, like, yeah, they have the other, the physical stuff, though, right? The wingspans as well. Uh, both can bend, both of those two can bend pretty well. Dominic Nichols, a guy who's kind of already a little bit more refined as a pass rusher. Uh, I thought, you know, our, you know, our board, goes pretty they they love watching the film uh but i know one guy that popped to pretty much everybody was from junior to senior was dominic nichols and uh he's the one that had to work a little bit to keep uh i know clemson 
kind of sniffed around a little bit in Wisconsin, who quietly kind of finished, I want to say second or third originally in his recruitment. Uh, they didn't really stop with him. So, uh, yeah, but but yeah, as far as the, you talk about the first off the bus type guys, absolutely. I mean, those two especially, though, uh, just look like guys that in three or four years are, are going to look like absolute monsters uh, once they get in the field. And the uh, strange thing is that all three of Michigan's edges in this class are from Maryland. <laughs> so was Darian Mayo, the other guy they thought they were going to there, – there were like six four-star edge guys in the DMV this cycle, all all Maryland address. I know D.D. Holmes was a kid out of Gonzaga, and D.C. was a guy they really liked. I mean, uh, one of their top targets – in 2025 is a, a D, DMV kid. So weirdly, a weird area where edge guys just seem to sort of pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and so none of these guys are going to see the field next year. Michigan is going to bring back at least two of their four guys, and they've got other dudes in the pipeline. So there's really no need for any of these guys to like pop immediately, right? I don't think so. No. I mean, if Nichols comes in, you know, refined enough. Like I said, he's he's not only got the size, but he's got a little bit more of that weight on him already, maybe. But yeah, I don't think it's something where it's not obviously not a dire need by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, four defensive tackles in the class, none of them super. Uh, oh, sorry, let me, let me rephrase it. None of them are super high five star types, top one hundred guys. But all of them are in that four-star range on the composite. Owen Waffle out of Princeton, New Jersey. It's Waffle. Uh, is it Waffle. <laughs> How can it be Waffle? <laughs> <laughs> I don't be, Bagel is also is, is 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 correct. So I think you get we got one or two out of the out of the oh. breakfasts in this class. It's too bad. Jimmy Sausage is never going to commit here. Anyway, he's at Notre Dame decommit 290 pounds at this point. Uh had a pretty quiet uh, recruitment outside of the the flip committed to Notre Dame early a guy who Michigan got in on kind of midway through the cycle um, doesn't really scream Mason Graham to me seems more like a a, a plugger maybe if he Michigan gets um, lucky here he's Chris Jenkins again but you know after watching what he does on film it's 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 not the kind of thing that where he's playing um, He's upfield immediately in that sort of explosive way. Definitely a burst guy for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, some some said is had a first step sort of along the lines of Mo Hurst. I I don't really like. You know, that's a hard. It's kind of a high expectation there as far as burst goes. But that is what his game is predicated on. Uh, yeah, that recruitment was interesting because I I kind of feel like that was a Chris Partridge deal uh, being a New Jersey guy because that's around the time that that really kind of started to heat up. Uh, and Michigan pretty much offered him under the radar, hosted him secretly. You know, Notre Dame sort of has that don't let our commits visit other schools thing. Uh, he visited Michigan under the radar. They took a verbal commitment from him, and then he flipped like a week later publicly. Uh, yeah, always in the, the Michigan-Notre Dame battles are always uh, very fascinating on the recruiting trail. But, but yeah, Wafel, uh yeah, definitely a guy. Michigan will play in the middle. I think yeah, a havoc causer is kind of what they're hoping for with him. But I think he's another one could get a lot of like sleeper type picks from him because I think they're pretty high on him. Was he well, the one who uh... wasn't wearing a jacket during the Ohio State game? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was. 
<laughs> like he might not be Mason Graham, but he's Mason Graham from the neck up, I think. Sure. All right. Well, I guess uh, my take on that was a, a little bit uh, different than yours, but that's fine. So one interesting thing about Wafel is that his dad played at Duke as a defensive lineman. So we saw with Chris Jenkins, he had this kind of heritage with his dad. Uh, and is a guy who should come in relatively ready to play. Now, I don't want a freshman defensive tackle ever playing for Michigan again. Thank you. But like he could be a year two guy. I agree. Fully agree. There's, I'll say this, guys. We've said it a lot over the years with Michigan as far as like the rankings versus what we think Michigan feels like they are. I think this class, especially defensively, is full of guys that they would have ranked maybe significantly higher than – what the composite has. I mean, you talk about, we haven't talked about Cole Sullivan yet. I mean, but you're talking about like some of these guys, I think they believe are like legit, legit guys. They barely had to dig down the board at really almost any position this cycle. Uh, you know, but defensive lines, another one though, with, with uh, bagel Hammond, uh, Wafel, those guys, like none of like all those guys were either at the top of the board at the very beginning or were quick pursuits that we're not very far down the board. So, uh, yeah, just something I think big picture-wise is something worth mentioning this cycle especially. And then the uh, fourth defensive tackle commit is sort of in that same boat too. David uh, Palipale, I don't know. Is that right, Seth? Yes. <laughs> ah, there you go. There we go. He's a guy who's been uh, sort of a, an anonymous three-star for the duration of his recruitment but he was heavily pursued by Penn State. They thought he was, they were going to get him at one point, and he was committed to USC before flipping to Michigan in the aftermath of the firing of Alex Grinch, probably the most deserved coordinator firing in the history of college football. Hmm. But he's a guy who's, you know, number 750 on the composite, but he does not have a recruitment that looks like that. So near the tail end of his recruitment, I think all three of the original recruitment when he ended up committing to USC, I think all three of at one point, probably within a handful of days of each other between Michigan, Penn State, and USC, all thought they were getting this kid at one point. It was very hectic that near the end of the original verbal commitment. And yeah, Michigan, I don't know if they were really recruiting him the entire time that he was verbally committed to USC. Uh, but yeah, Grinch getting fired. They brought in the guy from uh, was it Anton Lynn? Is that the guy that they hired from UCLA? Uh, their new DC. Our USC board reported that it was kind of up to him. Like it was his call on whether or not Pele Pele would still kind of be a take. I don't know if that's what ended up happening. I don't know why you wouldn't uh, hang on to that guy uh, if you if you were them. But either way, uh, yeah, definitely a a product of the Grinch firing. I feel like is what reopened that door. And then Michigan ends up getting the guy, which we had crystal balls in for Michigan originally. It was like a last second uh, flip to USC on the crystal ball when he originally committed there. So a guy Michigan felt good about for a long time, uh, you know, ends up in the class, not the way they planned it, but they'll take it either way. Uh, Manuel Bagel is a German kid. And sometimes the timeline just kind of tells you something. And I think the timeline of Bagel is pretty interesting. June 21st, 2022, offers from Central Michigan and Michigan. July 16th, commits to Michigan. Almost a year later, Penn State, Georgia, Texas A&M offer. And there was a little bit of a bump in his recruitment where he got these offers, and he was thinking about looking around, but Michigan was able to shut it down. And you never really know what you're going to get with these uh, uh, European kids 
who come over and they're usually playing for some New England school. <laughs> this one is in Connecticut. So his level of competition isn't great. He only started playing football in 2020. Um, but those those late offers are very encouraging. Yeah, and he got the offer off of a personal eval from Elston too. I think it was a satellite camp type deal is where they found him. That's why they, they both Michigan and Central offered on the same day or very close to it. And uh, yeah, no, you get a little bit more info out there and then you got, yeah, a couple SEC schools get involved and, and Penn State as well. And uh, the thing with him is could play on either side of the football. I mean, he's being recruited defensively by Michigan, but you know, I think with some of those guys, they maybe wait till they get him on campus, get a little more comfortable with him and see where it goes from there. But, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that they, yeah, like we're on, I mean, you guys, you know, some of the satellite camp offers are not, I want to say token offers, but they just, they do kind of throw some, they've thrown some offers just sort of out there. Uh, this was obviously not that. And uh, when he did start to get more attention from some other programs, yeah, I mean, Michigan, went into uh you know little urgent mode to make sure they kept him in the boat because I, I know that Elson specifically uh very high in his abilities up front on the defensive side. So the guy who brings most of these guys over is Brandon Collier. Uh, and he, he's quoted in the twenty four seven freaks article for the recruits is that he's two ninety, runs a four eight, has a nine foot eight broad jump. I don't know what that means. Like <laughs> I know what a shuttle does. I don't know what the broad jump does. But so he's a guy who's got a lot of potential um, uh, and a guy who Michigan is going to probably, you know, put in the system and, and try to see what they get there. And, you know, sometimes it's <clears throat> a halt a Froholt, who I think is an NFL center now after going to Arkansas from, for some reason. You're still mad about that. <laughs> I'm still mad That's about right. that. <laughs> forgot about that. That was Arkansas <laughs> over the most random Arkansas over Michigan commitment in history. Coming, Maybe the only one. I'm coming like, to the that, United States to live in Fayetteville. If you're from Tennessee, fine. Fine. That kid was from like Denmark. It was like Iceland or Denmark. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what resonated. Yeah, I don't know what about Arkansas resonated with him. But is that techno song? We're we're like the Euro techno school. <laughs> Come on! I forgot about him. Yeah, that was oh, a funny one. I'll never forget about Halte Froholt. Anyway, Ted Hammond is the final DT in this class. A guy who committed very very long ago and it was never heard from since. A classic case of a guy possibly being overlooked because his recruitment was so boring, uh, and so he's. You know, he's a four-star recruit on the composite, number 411 nationally, listed at 258, but I bet that's about 20 pounds out of date. Um, and I got to be honest, I don't remember anything else. About <laughs> he was he's like the first of the Ohio commits, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he, yeah, it was just like he committed, it felt like forever ago. Yeah, it was forever ago. Yeah, it's like Michigan has a I'll be, I, in Ohio. He He's one of the guys that I know the least about myself, to be honest with you. I do know that he's a guy I think... He's another one. I think they have a, a few different ideas for him. There's no concrete situation for like I th he'll be in the middle, obviously. But I, I don't know. I feel like he's somebody they feel like they can move around a little bit. But yeah, I mean, Saint X is always a good school to get in. There's a kid coming up in the next class that they haven't offered yet, but is really might be a better prospect, honestly, which is saying something. So um, not a bad school to get into. Uh, we'll, we're actually, I think, we're going to be talking to him on the live show later uh tonight we'll get a better idea of what their actual plan is for him but yeah he is classic uh yeah guy that we might talk about in a few years as 
yeah, we didn't really talk about him because he just committed and then, yeah, just disappeared for the rest of the recruiting cycle. Yes, sir. Moving on to linebacker, you've already mentioned Cole Sullivan as a guy who you think is underrated. Uh, that's just on 24-7 where he's uh, number 71 linebacker in the country. On the composite, he's a four-star, number 24 linebacker in the country, number 316 overall. A heated battle between Michigan and Notre Dame for him, uh, which, like, classic, uh, <laughs> the classic uh, Loy crystal ball that you get to be like, ah, got you this time. <laughs> but as, as a, as a potential player, he, he seems to be like the one guy who 24 seven is, is sleeping on a little bit. And I don't know why uh, I, I just, he pops immediately. Uh, I know Michigan was ecstatic about that commitment. Uh, I believe he went to central Catholic in Pittsburgh too. I mean, there were some reasons to believe Notre Dame would maybe be the school there. I knew Penn State was sort of involved too, but yeah, this was mostly Michigan and Notre Dame. He's a guy, I mean, with his size, his athleticism, I think he's at least a, a team's guy next year for them. Uh, we'll see what else happens at linebacker this offseason. But uh, I he, again, Michigan's deep enough at most spots, even with what they lose on both sides of the ball after this season, what we expect them to lose. You know, there isn't a huge need for first year. There's like, not, it's not a situation where there's a dire need for first year guys to come in and play. He's the one, though, that I just feel like may find his way on the field in some capacity, maybe like a second half of the year kind of kid. But, um, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. But just of all the guys in the class, he's one of the ones that stands out the most to me. The other linebacker in the class is Jeremiah Beasley out of Belleville. Um, sort of. So, I mean, I think the comparison here is probably James Ross. So he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he hits hard. You know, Ross didn't really pan out to what everybody wanted him to be. But, you know, if you're thinking about who he is as a player, he's he's not six foot three, but he's explosive in short areas. Um, a guy who you could you could see uh playing pretty well in the modern era of college football where being able to move is is a more important most of the time than being able to take on the lead block. Yep. So Beasley was one another one that Chris Partridge really turned that recruitment around for Michigan because I don't think Michigan really had much of a shot early on in that one uh with he when Hilo was here. Uh yeah the you know what's yeah I agree fully by the way on your on your assessment of him. I, I do I think James Ross is a good comparison. I think what's fascinating about him specifically, though, have you guys watched his film at running back? Like, yeah. I think he could play <laughs> running back at the college level. Like, it's it's interesting to me. It got a lot of talk. Uh, they don't need him at running back, but man, I, I thought his running back film was about as good as his linebacker stuff. So, you know, he's definitely athletic enough uh, to make an impact at Michigan. And uh, like I said, he was one, that was another one. I know when, when Chris Partridge was hired, that was one of the first, if not the first phone call uh, that was made was Jeremiah Beasley. So he's a guy that they liked and wanted uh, right away at that spot. Yeah, he's, he's brothers with, uh, with MSU's, well, formerly MSU's Malik Carr, the tight end is in the portal now. Correct. Um, and I mm -hmm. remember uh, I was watching with, uh, with some, coaches from Detroit, uh, the, champ the Michigan championship game between Belleville and West Bloomfield. And 
for the first half, I thought Beasley was Austin Alexander. I'm like, oh, Michigan's got a because he was. They had Alexander committed at the time, and I was like, oh, look, we we got yeah. that guy. We actually right. found it. And then finally, someone's like, no, that's not him. That's like that kid's a year younger. And then and then I heard Beasley was probably going to state because his brother was there, and I was just like, ah, and there we are. <laughs> yeah, Beasley was a heavy Michigan State lean for a while. I don't know. I don't know if their implosion. <laughs> had anything had anything to do with how this ended up, but I, I do know when Partridge came in, it only took a couple conversations, and it felt like Michigan uh, swung that recruitment back in their favor. So, uh, yeah, another guy, I like him as a two or three year contributor for sure. Uh, and we should note that Zach Ludwig is part of this class, but we are considering him a fullback. He's listed as a linebacker. I don't want to overlook him, but I think he's a fullback, right? I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in the secondary, Michigan missed out on a couple of guys who went to Ohio State. Maybe they'll change their minds. Uh, but they had an excellent backup plan by just sniping whoever Ryan Walters liked. And that was Josiah Edmond out of Indiana, a Purdue decommit who shot up the rankings on 24-7, now the 165 player in the country, number 14 cornerback. Uh, a long, rangy guy, six foot one, kind of... Uh, of a piece with Michigan's other cornerback recruits under Jesse Minter. He wants them to be able to go up and get balls. And he's a guy who made the Army Bowl after uh, being a Purdue flip. So that's that's a pretty good start. He's a perfect example, like I said, of, of how they didn't have to go down the board that far. Uh, so he wasn't a name we'd heard a ton about recruiting-wise because the focus yeah, was on Aaron Scott, Bryce West. You know, Both ended up at Ohio State. Uh, but but Michigan had had Edmund had Edmund at camp in June, and I want to say the the actual day that Aaron Scott committed to Ohio State, Michigan offered Edmund and flipped him less than a week later. Right, so another example of like, yeah, they missed on Aaron Scott, they missed on Bryce West, but they got basically the really one of the next ish guys up on their board. In Edmond, not surprised to see him rise. I, I actually think Michigan compares him pretty favorably to Aaron Aaron Scott. To be honest with you, uh, you know, I think he's I think he's another guy who rightfully saw a rise up the rankings and has potential to uh, be even better for them. I mean, he's he's big time. And yeah, I, anybody that Ryan Walters wants at defensive back, I do actually think is somebody Michigan is is at least going to uh, consider. I mean, Purdue actually had a pretty strong. I think they picked up a couple other guys. Uh, on the defensive backfield this cycle that that we thought were pretty good. So, yeah, I can't really go wrong in that regard. The other corner in the class is Jeremiah Lowe, who's a flyer. He's outside the top 1,000 on the composite. Uh, had a couple other offers from Power 5 schools, but they were in the Kentucky-Boston College range. Um, so Michigan picks him up in August, and really not a whole lot else has been uh, – heard about him since so i think uh frederick douglas where he's at is a place that i believe steve Klinkscale's kid plays at that high school i think so i think there's some connections there i, I think it's a situation where Klinkscale very familiar with lowe's game i think i mean yeah i think flyers a good uh a good phrase here for this one because i think he's a guy that's going to take a little bit to get there uh but but again one that michigan was still quietly kind of recruiting the entire time. I think there was a, I think there may have been a time where he may not have been on the full take situation when when they were still after Scott, they were still after West. I think there might have been a couple other guys in there too. 
but a guy that they kept communication with throughout. So um, I'm not going to argue with a guy that clink scale takes. I mean, he's developed a lot of three-star types uh, over the years. And, uh, you know, with his familiarity with that program and with, with Jeremiah Lowe specifically, I, I, there's got to be something there. Well, what was his name there? After the guy who went to Tennessee, Boo something for nickel. Oh, Boo Carter? Boo Carter, yeah. And I felt like they moved on to Lowe. Big timer. Yeah. Yeah. Right after they lost out on Boo, which was, you know, the same kind of story, right? Where, like, they, they had Aaron Scott, and then as soon as they knew they weren't going to get Scott, they moved on to Edmund and, and got him right away. And I yeah. kind of felt yep. like Lowe, if you put some pounds on him, because Alex Strain just wrote up a um, – to the, the hello finally just this week because we, we had a football season to get to. Um, but when he did, he was just like, yeah, he's always in the right spot, and then he gets run over. So, you know, give him to Ben Herbert and see if you have a Sainer still in there. I kind of think that Michigan has, in the portal and, you know, just looking at some of their 2025 targets now, started to try to find more Sainer stills after seeing what they got out of that guy. And that that was kind of the vibe that I got out of low. Sure. They- I think that's – yeah, it's a good – are they specifically recruiting nickels? Do they hit because they have sort of a different physical profile for those guys than they, they want long rangey outside corners? But if they're going after Upton Stout, Upton Stout's probably a nickel for them, right? Yes, that they are one hundred percent taking a look at guys to fill that kind of position. I think another like in twenty five, there's a kid named uh, Jamari Deloach out of Virginia Beach uh, fits a very similar profile. Guy can fly, is an absolute speedster. Uh, but possesses that size and and those ball skills too. Uh, a guy that Michigan actually, to quick aside, offered when he had I don't even think the in-state schools had offered him yet in Virginia was totally unranked. Now he's a top 200 kid. Um, we think Michigan leads there, but yeah, they're definitely targeting those kind of kids. Absolutely. Uh, one safety in the class, Jacob Odin, who's uh, a, another guy who committed extremely early in the cycle. Um, and has you know those guys kind of fall by the wayside sometimes because there's they're just in the class, but he's inside the top 300 on the composite, a four star to 24 uh, seven, and you know hopefully a guy who you don't have to play for a year or two, but you know could be another. Well, Rod Moore is a little bit optimistic, but that's kind of Tyree what Cannell you're for here. Maybe yeah, I mean Cannell, God Cannell played so much football like he was a four-year <laughs> starter in high school and then he like immediately yeah. started at michigan <laughs> yeah. so you're like, like the only more. recruit in the 25 15 class <laughs> i feel like i i've seen more of tyree cannell than any safety i've ever seen because <laughs> <laughs> when the defense is yeah. good you don't see the safeties that much anyway. right <laughs> right no i i think that's yeah i mean they've talked about like moving odin around a little bit in the defensive backfield but yeah i think safety is probably where he's destined to be uh, for the long haul, um, he is a little malleable, but but yeah, I think yeah, safety's probably where he's at. And yeah, I, I don't want to say. I mean, he's higher. He's ranked higher than Rod Moore was coming out of high school, but I don't know if what that means necessarily because it's almost like you want to go back sometimes and watch some of these guys in high school and think, yeah, he probably shouldn't have been in '86. Rod uh, Moore was star, an exciting you know, player but, in high school, though. Like he was, right, he was a playmaker. Right. Odin is right. more like son of the coach, always in the right spot, knows what he's doing. Sure, that's why I mentioned Tyree Canal because he just he's already pretty advanced for what he does. He's not huge, but he's fairly fat. I mean, your standard four star, not humongous safety, who's just gonna be out there and not screwing up, and that's kind of what you need if you're gonna take one safety in the class. Unless Mason Curtis is a safety, I think. 
we, we, we kind of skipped right by him because we couldn't figure out what position he's going to play. Yeah, so I was about to ask wow. this. He's listed as an athlete by 24-7. And then you click on his profile and it calls him an edge. And you're like, wait, wait, what? And then, no. he, and then he doesn't play any edge in his in his film, I don't believe. Right. Uh, so, maybe a little bit. I don't know. So, and that's me being like totally frank is I don't know. And I think that the staff, I think he is absolutely one that w- will put the pads on and they'll figure it out. I know when they were recruiting linebacker, uh, they were not pegging him in on the linebacker board necessarily, right? I think they were still recruiting the same amount of line, quote unquote, clat, like strict linebackers that they were going to recruit uh, and we're still going to keep him and just do whatever. He very he may very well end up at the edge position. I feel like he's a little bit too big to play safety, but uh, you know, could technically be any one of those three spots. I feel who like who's the kid out of Washington who made the safety to edge transition? Larry Stevens. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> so it that was that's done. a whole oh, callback, Brian. Jeez. I was going to say that's that's a good good memory. Well, you know, so, so he does play safety in high school. So yeah, it is he is six foot four and a guy who could literally play anywhere except defensive tackle on defense. And you'd be like, that makes sense. So pretty much. Yeah. Obviously, obviously going to be a guy who, who Michigan takes a couple years to get its head around. All right. We're going to take a break. Wait, wait, back you, you missed, you wait. missed, you missed one of my favorite defensive recruits. Who did I miss? Jaden Smith. Yeah. I was wondering. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm I'm scrolling on twenty four seven and he's listed as an athlete. So I, I I always forget to click, especially because athlete is under special teams for some reason. Like that's something I've asked them to change for a long time. They need to. We try to have it to where we change it to what position the school that has not committed wants him at, and then it'll populate to that part. But uh, whatever, haven't gotten there yet. I guess I don't know technology. So, so Jaden Smith, another versatile athlete. Why don't you? Uh, take it here Seth because I have to plug my computer in otherwise it's going to turn off oh yeah Uh, I mean Jaden Smith was a he's a linebacker slash edge kind of has a could could be Josh Uche could be uh, Junior Colson kind of anywhere in that range and it's because he's just a ridiculous athlete I think he was under three stars when we first uh, when he first popped up on the board and then when he committed Shortly after, he shot way up on uh, on several sites. And I don't know if he's officially a four-star now or if I still get to keep him as a sleeper of the year. But um, I was hoping it'd be Uche, and then I think they're going to try to try him at weak side linebacker. I don't know. What, what do you think, Steve? I The Uche to Colson spectrum, I think, is exactly what it is. I think what's interesting with him is the flexibility and bend he has for a kid his size coming around the edge when they, when his high school does use him there is borderline elite in my opinion i I think it's gonna be really difficult for them to not maybe try to put him in a position to get after the passer eventually right i I just uh i agree with you seth i think he it's hard to pick a defensive sleeper uh but he's way up near the top of the list for sure especially i think again he might be a four-star in the composite i know we only have him as a i think we have him as an 88 Mm -hmm. uh but if i'm going off of our rankings you know he's he's right up there with cole sullivan in my opinion I, i just I love this linebacker class that they're bringing in. And it was a, it was a position where Michigan's recruited pretty solid, but I, I, again, much like edge, I just like the athleticism that they got this cycle at the linebacker position. I just feel like they upgraded in a big way there. So with Smith maybe being 
uh, the highest ceiling as far as the athleticism goes. Uh, before we do get to a break, uh, Alex has been here the whole time. We have not done a very good job of integrating him. He has done a lot of these hello posts. Um, and so I was just like, of the defensive players you've done hello posts from, who's your favorite? And like, like who do you think is a guy who might outplay their ranking? I would say Polly Polly probably. I mean, that just a very unusual recruiting profile and being a guy ranked around 700 or 750 uh, in the recruiting rankings, yet had legitimate offers from USC and uh, Penn State and Michigan. And some weird stuff happened in his senior year to kind of throw off his potential rise up the rankings. He had a issue with his high school coach, got dismissed from the team for a social media post. So it kind of blunted his opportunity for his senior tape to rise up. But uh, everything that the scouts sort of say seems very, very promising. And obviously you don't have those high power five offers unless there's something there. So that, and Michigan had him very high on their board the whole time, always wanted this kid. So I trust their evaluations. The tape looks pretty good. So I think that's a pretty safe bet uh, given the disparity between his recruitment and his rankings. Yeah. So Jaden Smith can't be sleeper of the year, Seth, because he is a composite four star, but there's, <laughs> there's a good, uh, uh, Alternative looking. He was unranked at two four seven when he committed. Unranked. They uh, even he didn't even have a star on him at all when he committed. I was like, <laughs> he, Oh my god. He, <laughs> he had no yep, he had no ranking or rating. You're right. <laughs> it's right, we are or we are gonna take a break sure. now. Yeah. Come back, talk about the offense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss, and honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life is taking you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog today. 
The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high-quality and low-latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs, original geeks of programmable communication. Welcome back to the special Sighting Day edition of MGO Radio. Uh, we have gotten some guff in the comments. Yes! We want to thank Underground Printing for starting this and making it all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out mgoblogstore.com where you can get a hat that says bet and a shirt that tells people with asterisks to die mad. Let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Human Element, Ann Arbor and um, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Winewood Organics, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Signal Wire, where we are live now, and Tom Brady's new app, Autograph Rewarding Fans, where you earn rewards for things like reading MGO Blog and listening to our podcast. We only have Steve for a couple more minutes, so I thought we would just talk about Jaden Davis. Uh, a five-star early in the cycle, top 25 kid, has fallen to 115th on 24-7, 93rd in the composite, uh, and... You know, as someone who has followed recruiting for a long time, one of the things is that sometimes recruiting rankings are stickier than they should be. And guys who fall often don't fall enough. And guys who rise often don't rise enough. So talk me off the ledge, Steve. What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? I'm this is one I want to ask. This is one I was like, I was curious. Like I was actually thinking before we even got on, I was wondering what you guys would think you're about Jaden Davis. You're putting me on the spot here, man, because kind of what I think is that a certain site just got mad that he wasn't talking to them and downrated them. Well, okay. Yeah, we can. That is, there has been sort of a controversy about that, but 24 7 itself has dumped him about 100 spots down the rankings. Yeah. So it's not a little bit. So, I, right. Okay. Let me try to think of the right way to say it. I, I don't, I don't think he, I think he got moved down a little bit too far but i also don't think he was a five-star guy uh at the end of the day i I, you know i know what our guys look for our analysts look for at the quarterback position uh one thing i think people put a little bit and and you know take it for what it's worth i think some people put a little bit too much stock into like raw statistics sometimes at the high school level because i mean his raw stats are insane uh they're crazy uh three-time state champion a billion touchdowns and like a few interceptions. I mean, he, you know, no issue in moving the ball down the field and, uh, you know, not turning it over. But I do think there's a little bit of a, a, like a limited ceiling with him. I think that really might be where the rankings fall comes from. I know our guys specifically, I can't speak for other sites, although, you know, like 
on threes guys. A lot of them like are from 24 seven originally, uh, you know, ceiling is a really big thing, particularly at the quarterback position. I think, I think that's one reason why, like when you hear people pissed that uh, Aaron Nolan ended the cycle higher than Jaden Davis, uh, despite having pretty mediocre raw statistics, I think it's because the feeling is that maybe the actual ceiling at the end of the day is a little bit higher there. I know that with Michigan, they consciously chose to go after Jaden Davis instead of CJ Carr, instead of a few other guys. I mean, he was number one for them from the outset. Uh, I also think he is, you know, I mean, of course it's, it's important at quarterback, but he's one of the more cerebral kids they've recruited in a while as far as really having like keeping like legitimate expectations in check. Like he's not a kid who is expecting to walk in next year and start right away. Like a lot of, like a lot of highly ranked kids are a matter of fact, he was, he's been quoted. uh, I think Sam had talked to him. I don't know if it was after he committed or not too long after as saying he would love it. If Michigan landed Bryce Underwood in the 2025 class as somebody he could work, uh, go up against and work and get better with and stuff. You know, just not it, – it, he feels like the right kind of fit uh, for Michigan. I, I don't know. Like, I, one thing I was going to ask you guys about, though, I'm not the most, like, technically inclined guy as far as the game. Like, the throwing motion, though, is something that's pretty interesting. He's got a very unique, like, hitch in his throw, and it hasn't really changed or developed, I want to say, over the last couple seasons. I don't know if Michigan just goes with that or if that's something that they end up – tweaking like i just kind of curious to see maybe where that that whole angle of it goes because i think i i gotta think that's been one of the knocks on him as well as he's got a very unorthodox throwing motion i mean to me if he's been playing football for a million years he's got 40 starts under his belt and he's accurate enough with the hitch you just roll with the hitch sure and you can really screw a quarterback up by telling him not to do a thing that he's been really successful with. But, you know, the, I mean, to me, he's got a ton of experience. He's a little more mobile than the comparison, but I think the comparison here is probably Cade McNamara because he's a guy who doesn't have a ton of size, doesn't have the biggest armor in the world, but has played an absolute ton of football with great results. And you just kind of wonder if he's going to, it's ceiling, right? Because j- he got, he got run out of town, basically. Well, he ran himself out of town because J.J. McCarthy came in, and J.J. McCarthy is a first-round pick, and Cade McNamara is not. And I don't think Jane Davis is a first-round pick, but he can be a very effective quarterback for Michigan. But the question you're asking is, like, well, can he beat Ohio State? Well, Cade McNamara beat Ohio State, so yeah. Um, in this program, you don't necessarily need a superhero at quarterback, uh, except if you want to win a national championship, when I think you do. So... That that's kind of where I am. Like he's obviously a good player. He provides a very high floor for the position going forward. But as you said, it is ceiling. Cade's a good. You know, Cade was yeah. Cade was highly, and I don't think he was quite that high. But he no, was. He was, was forced. Yeah, he was right. Uh, yeah, he was like top two hundred, not top. I mean, not barely outside the top one hundred. And had insane raw statistics come out. I think he was Nevada's all time career. Yeah, leading passer, right? Both, so both these guys started for four years. Mm-hmm. Like they started all four years in high school. So, and you know, if you look at what makes an NFL quarterback successful, it's usually that they play a ton of college football games. And so, 
I think that there's some value in that for high school kids too. It's just be, there's no substitute for being on the field and reading live defenses. Now the defenses Jane Davis is reading in North Carolina are, oh well, that that guy's 20 yards away from my wide receiver who's also going to a D1 school. Yeah. So <laughs> right. there's there's a little bit of a difference there in, than in college. So I mean, do I hope Bryce Underwood commits? Yes. Do I hope he takes the job? Yes. Um, am I happy that Michigan got Jaden Davis? Very much so. Yeah. I, I think it's, and that's one thing. It's hard to parse through. You know, it's it's, and it goes both ways. You have the guys who play really, really bad competition that you're watching just maul people and dominate, and then you're also watching a situation like with Davis has two four-star wide receivers to throw the ball to. He's got the number one player in the 2025 class protecting his left side at tackle. I mean, Providence Day School is just absolutely loaded year in and year out. So that's another thing where it's like, you know, the difference between being able to tell if a guy, yeah, is like an elite, elite guy or just a pretty, a really, really good guy can be difficult because, uh, and he's part of that. He's a really, really good player too, but he is, you know, playing also playing with some big time talents. I mean, Michigan loved Jordan Ship, uh, the other receiver on Providence Day who ended up signing with uh, North Carolina. I mean, he was very, very, very high on their board. So, you know, there, and, you know, I think they've even, they may have even taken a PWO out of there last year, but either way, it's a school that's got talent every single year. Uh, so while he is a standout there and is probably is the guy that stirs the straw that stirs the drink there. I mean, there, there's a lot of other players that are, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, 20 yards. They're, they're the right back now. the other team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the story no, of Jaden good... Davis, though, goes back before he was at Providence Day because he was the – in the first rankings on 24-7, he was the number one overall player. Now, that's because nobody played in 2020, so, like, there's only 40 guys that they could actually rank, and, and he found a way to play, and so he got in there. And they also, I think, were expecting him to grow taller at that time because, you know, you're ranking eighth graders film, right? If you're expecting them to, to – get certain height and I think he capped off high uh, lower than they thought he was going to be but like the way they talk about him is like he's Cal McCord where he's like okay he's playing with these all this great talent and he just gets to you know throw the ball to Jordan Ship and throw the ball to Channing Goodwin and he doesn't really make plays on his own and it's kind of hard to you know that's <laughs> that's going to happen at Michigan too right like that you they that's they say the same True. thing about JJ McCarthy but we've seen him make plays on his own and Jaden Davis was doing that until he just got in a position where like oh I don't have to leave the pocket because I've got the best blindside protector in high school and I've got two of the best receivers out there and I just wait for one of them to get open yeah it's going to be fascinating I, I but I like going back to the main point for me is yeah it's it's the question not to say that there might not be a, a higher ceiling in there. I just think that's the biggest question for him uh, heading into Ann Arbor is, is what is that actual ceiling there? Alex? Yeah, I mean, the thing that really stood out to me was just the height thing. Like, you go back to his original rankings and everything that they projected him to be a lot taller, and, and height's a pretty big part of playing quarterback in part. Um, the athleticism also stands out to me a little bit that that's something I'd like to see a little bit better. Um, but you definitely get the sense reading through it that the physical traits are not as impressive, but the definitely the cerebral brain ones are. And that's what stood out when he was at Elite 11, the gameplay sort of drills. He did much better in than the sort of throw the ball 60 yards into a trash can sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that could play better in terms of his actual game state. But I definitely agree it's more of a, of a high ceiling 
uh, sort of issue is, is why he dropped down the board. But the floor is very good, and the program fit, I think, makes a lot of sense. All right. Uh, thank you, Steve. It was good talking to you. We'll do it again soon. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Steve. All right. Moving on to running back where Michigan picks up Jordan Marshall, a straight-up head-to-head win against Ohio State. And, I mean, I don't want to say this, but it's inescapable. You watch the guy's film, and you're like, oh, it's Blake Corum. Yeah, like, did you did you notice that Steve got out of here before we gave him a hard time about five star running backs? Because <laughs> <laughs> he knew well, he it was coming. A, he is not actually a five star quarter. Uh, he actually dropped down the rankings himself. He's the uh, number eighty three kid on the composite, so that's that's a good spot. He's not in the top. No, he's 50. he's oh. he's like right where Blake Corum ended up, which is exactly yeah. where we want him. And. Like you, you just watch him run, and he makes a lot of good cuts. He makes a lot of good reads. He he's willing to pop it outside on a bounce. He but he's not overly reliant on that. I, he seems like he's got good vision. I don't think he quite has the insane short spaces jitter that Quorum had particularly early in his career. Um, but he moves piles. He reads. He's a little bit bigger. Like, mm-hmm. So Corum's, you know, five, eight probably. And he's probably an inch or two uh, bigger than that, but very, very similar. And I don't want to, we, after Mike Hart, we spent like 15 years looking for the next Mike Hart and got him. And now <laughs> I don't want to be like cocky and be like, all right, we got another one. It's fine. <laughs> but there's no one else to compare him to really. Yeah. There was a, uh, there... I'm going to go with a guy who was committed to Michigan and then ended up going to Alabama and then ended up at Colorado State. Damian Harris was the one that, like, that that someone else pulled up that same comparison. But he's just like a – he looks like he should be – the way he moves looks like a smaller back. And then he's actually, like, you know, six foot 230. And guys bounce off him. So if he doesn't have necessarily the jitter of quorum, because no one has that kind of jitter, he he has – he's close enough – that like the angle when you actually hit him is so bad and he's so strong that he just runs through guys and you know it's 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 like a mix between Quorum and Haskins where like you have some of that power backness where he gets north south and it's really hard to bring him down but he's certainly compact gets low you know moves uh, moves his legs really well and it's this is the kind of running back that you would expect to you know. This is kind of like the perfect running back for what Michigan runs all the time. And we've been doing it with guys who are like maybe a little too slow or maybe a little bit too small. And, you know, he's not going to be better than Quorum because Quorum is ridiculous. But I think he's going to play right away. I think he's going to be one of those guys where you're like, okay, we got here's, – here's another star at Michigan. Alex? Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I didn't write his hello, but – his ranking sort of saga was odd, right? Because he was like in the 150s, then they bumped him all the way up to the top 40, 50 range, and then he and he trended back down. I, don't, I didn't follow that too closely, but um, definitely where you, you want a running back to be, and um, he's a higher rated uh, running back, I believe, than any of Ohio State's guys. Uh, they had one flip this past week. So you get a, a recruit out of Ohio at running back who's higher than Ohio State's running backs. It's all you can ask for. The other running back in the class is Micah Capana, who was a very controversial recruit because Mike Hart focused on him yep. after picking up Marshall as the number two back in the class when there are a bunch of higher-rated guys on the board. Uh, he plays for Bishop Gorman in, in Las Vegas, which is a huge school. I think that was 
where McNamara played, right? Or there, there's a no, no. no. it's the no, other one. Played. Yeah, but he's a three-star ranked 501 in the composite. Physically very similar to Jordan Marshall, about the same height, size, maybe a little bit more slender. Um, his tape is not quite as um, doesn't have the kind of cuts that Jordan Marshall's tape has. So Marshall is always bouncing all over the place, uh, evading guys. And Capana is the home run hitter. He's a guy who, once he gets a crack, he hits it and he's going as fast as he possibly can for a long distance. Not like he's strictly a straight line runner, but I am a little less excited about him than Marshall. I haven't looked at his stats for the senior year, but when I did the hello over the summer from his junior year, he was averaging like 12 or 15 yards per carry. Like his tape was all just like, it's a hole and it's just gone yeah. uh, for 60, 70 yard gains. So uh, that's a lot of what it is like straight line sprinter type stuff, which isn't he, a bad compliment for Jordan Marshall. And we'll see what Mike Hart can do with him. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he looks I mean, kind of like Donovan about- Edwards. To be honest, if you take away the other than the receiver stuff, the receiver stuff is why Donovan Edwards was a five star. Um, but like he, if you add some more vision to Edwards, because what he does is he'll press that hole until it opens up and gets the linebacker in the wrong spot. And the, the they're just a weird offense at Bishop. So they, you know, when he's in there, sometimes it's a safety or a cornerback. He's actually pressing into that gap, and that's why he's got these huge long runs sometimes because he gets so deep in the hole and then he jumps over to another spot and he cuts and goes um but that's been kind of his game he does go down a little easily i think which is another complaint i guess people have about donovan edwards but donovan edwards as a running back is is, is a weird comparison to make but that's kind of where i'm at with kapama i mean yeah i i i We'll see. I, I think that the guys like Capana, where their film is just 70-yard touchdowns, often don't translate that well into college because once the spaces get more constricted, they're not able to create yards on their own. So Ty Isaac is like the classic example of this where his Yeah, but he was running was... into like car parks. Yeah, I, and I understand that like Capana is going into creases and he is finding creases he seems like a one-cut runner you want for an outside zone game like i think he'd be a good iowa back Mm -hmm. and i'm not i'm not sure about the fit but what we saw from ben hall this year uh in his brief appearances makes me want to trust mike hart as a running back evaluator so ah we'll see what and you know even if he's not really a hit. It's not like this running back room is hurting for bodies right now. So right. it's a, it's a flyer on a guy who has big upside and that's not necessarily a bad idea at wide receiver. Michigan brings in legacy Channing Goodwin, who is also uh Jane Davis's Providence state teammate, a four star to 24 seven, the number 44 wide receiver in the country. Other places are less enthused. Um, <clears throat> his dad, Jonathan Goodwin was a fifth round pick after playing on the OL here. So, I mean, it's been tough for Michigan to get wide receivers on the trail right now because they're so run dominant that guys who want to catch 90 balls aren't going to come to the school. And so, as Steve mentioned earlier, um, Ship, the other Providence State wide receiver, was a guy Michigan really wanted but was not able to get despite getting both of his his teammates. And you know, Goodwin could be in that Cornelius Johnson mold a little bit uh, lower ranked, but probably not going to be a paradigm shifter for Michigan. Now he was like a classic 
high floor, low ceiling ish guy when uh, I did the law on him. Like no one was wowed by the 40 time or whatever, but he was Jaden Davis's safety valve uh, at Providence Day, just a really solid guy that could get open over the middle and caught the ball. And so things like consistency was often talked about in, in Goodwin Scouting Report and being a legacy, he was an easier get from Michigan. Seems solid, but you know, like you said, it's this is just going to be a tough sledding position so long as Michigan is bragging about throwing eight times against Penn State. Like that's just that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, I, yeah. It just sounds like the the Greg Matthews recruitment where it's like possession receiver without saying possession receiver. You know, he gets open. He's always got his hands out, and he's you know he's he he loves to make his contested catches. He just always seems to get open. Always knows how to run his routes, and what they're always dodging around is like a four eight forty time or something. <laughs> Remember when uh, people were recruiting Darian Green Warren? Yeah, and it was like this guy's really good, but he can't run. And I'm like, but he's a quarterback. <laughs> That's the whole job. <laughs> that was, and and you still have to write a recruiting report where you can't just be like, well, he's slow. Um, I, I I yeah, I remember I wrote it up. I was like, well, all this sounds good, but also everybody says he can't run. Yeah, and somehow he was still like a top two fifty player, and he just washes out here immediately. And I'm just like, well, that's no surprise. Like. I, I, that was one of the strangest, strangest. Uh, like most of the time, you want to be optimistic, yeah, about these guys, and so you're like, ah, this guy's underrated. It's very rare that I get through one of those. I'm like, this guy's overrated, but that guy was overrated. Yeah. Um, the other wide receiver in this class is I Marion Stewart. He's more of a slot type, five ten, has some fancy uh, track times, and Michigan has actually had more success with these kind of guys of late. I mean, they have Morgan in the last class. They have a couple other guys who could hypothetically be slots, but won't because they, Michigan has Morgan. Uh, the number 11 kid in Illinois to 24-7. Other places are more optimistic. He's actually just inside the top 300 on the composite. So a guy with some upside, but also not one of those downfield six foot four contested catch guys. Yeah, pretty much just more of a slot guy. Speed and yards after catch uh, was really the main thing about uh, his scouting report back at the time. Um, may need to add just a little bit of weight to hold up against, you know, physical DB, something like that. But he was a guy who seemed to like Michigan all along. Um, he talked about some Roman Wilson comps in, in his, like when they interviewed him. I'm not as sure about that, but... Uh, just seemed like a good fit for the program. A guy always wanted to be here. He claims to run a 4-4, but it wasn't timed. So take that for what it is. But I'm a little more optimistic on him than Goodwin, but also not really like a super flashy guy, but you know, someone they always wanted and he wanted to be there. So a, a nice fit. Yeah, and Michigan might be looking for guys in the portal because they didn't get an instant impact guy. And this is kind of the one spot on the team where their recruiting has not really um, lived up to what they want. Because there's just certain spots on the field, and Corner is one of them, as we mentioned, where you can't get away with it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can get away with it at offensive line and defensive tackle and running back. You can scout guys there. But wide receiver and cornerback, it's really just like, who's the fastest guy on the planet? And Romer Wilson is the fastest guy on the planet. And Xavier Worthy was the fastest guy on the planet. And I liked that. That was the one thing I really liked about Josh Gaddis is that yeah. Michigan got really <laughs> fast guys at wide receiver. And they've got a couple 
in this class, uh, not this class, in the previous class, who seem like they might be in that mold. But I mean, I got good news for you on this one because Gaddis yeah. is the one who started this recruitment. So they've been well, after Imara Stewart for a long time. And, and originally, like the first articles you see about him, he's like, I love how they use Ronnie Bell. I could see myself a lot, player a lot like that. And I mean, he's a guy who jumps out of the building. Um, he was a huge uh, seven on seven star. He played, I think, one year. He was an overlap. He was like on the junior level um, when JJ was there. So like he wasn't playing with JJ, but like he knew all those guys and was playing with all those guys and was one of those guys. And Michigan had him like on the top of the board from the very beginning. They were like, "This is the guy we want." He's also got an incredible quote. So I think we're going to like this guy. I am the future of the student athlete. The field is where I can truly be me. No one will outwork me. I am football, and football is me. That's quite a quote. (laughs) I figured you'd like that one. All right, we are going to take a break, come back, and finish talking about the offense in the next segment. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder, and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning? Or do you need to play catch-up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately $100,000. It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. 
Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across Southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. Mary, we were in the Welcome back to a special edition of MGO Radio on Signing Day. Uh, we neglected to mention a story about Polly Polly that Alex has run across. Yeah, this was uh, EJ Holland mentioned this on a, on a show he did a, a little ways back. But uh, supposedly Polly Polly's flip back to Michigan began allegedly when he watched the Kenneth Grant chasing down Katron Allen in the open field play against Penn State. <laughs> um and uh, so he texted uh, Mike Elston, like Go Blue or something like that after the game. And then uh, that was the beginning of the dialogue that led to the month-long process to flip him back. So uh, just thought that uh, was interesting. The recruits enjoyed that play as much as we did. <laughs> yeah. I, he's probably like, hey, can I run that fast? And Elston was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably not, like, come here and come, come and see. That's not possible. <laughs> That didn't happen. I mean, he is Penny Sewell's cousin. So, I mean, you talk about one of the most athletic large people in the in the world. Um, he was playing in Alaska until uh, I think it was sophomore year when he moved to nowhere, Pennsylvania, and played for a coach who kicked him off the team for a tweet. Well, at least he's a poster. Yeah. All right, moving on to the tight ends. At some point, you just kind of say, eh, they're Harbaugh tight ends, so whatever. Uh, Hogan Hansen out of Bellevue, Washington, Steve uh, Schilling's alma mater. Uh, they're still running a wing T. So for a wing T tight end to be ranked in the top 200 uh, at 24-7 and the top 300 on the composite is pretty impressive. Six foot six, 220 pounds. His scouting report on 24-7 says that he is in an offense that accentuates his blocking ability. <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm sure he's going to be a guy who's pretty advanced as a blocker might have a lot to work on as a target um, listed at 220. It's probably about 20 pounds short, but another guy who you're going to put on the shelf for a year or two and see what you have, especially because you have Colson Loveland back and hopefully AJ Barner, Alex. Yeah. I mean, uh, both of these recruits in this class are interesting and just in the sense that they're a little bit higher ranked than uh, the normal Michigan tight end, but n- neither guy has a ton to say. They they were Michigan-led for them. I mean, Hanson, I think, was the first guy in the class, and they got pre-scoring pretty early as well. They committed, and then they just stuck with Michigan, haven't had a lot of rankings movement, but uh, both guys are uh, in that uh, top 200-ish range, 250. Um, just real solid tight end recruits. Both had Colson Loveland comparisons, and uh, that's That's going to be solid. everybody from now on. Well... <laughs> So the the thing that you can say is that their body types are similar. So they're not like the Zach Gentry or the Eric All. They're both very fluid guys. And Prescorn in particular does 
feel a lot like him just in terms of his ability to go down the field, high point a ball. You know, he's his brother, I think, played for Ole Miss. Um, so he's got athletic legacy. He's like pre-scoring is the guy who I'm hyped up about because so, they split him out wide. He looks very natural coming out of his breaks. He looks a lot like Loveland. Yeah, before we get to pre-scoring, though, I mean, I, Steve was, uh, was has been all about Hanson and probably upset that he didn't get to have his, his take on this one because I've been reading him on 24-7. He's just been all about Hanson. And when you talk about Loveland comparisons, Hanson was working out with Loveland. Like, they were both in that program that uh, you know Jay Harbaugh has been tapping to find athletes out there. Uh, and, and they were like the two super athletes they had. They're like, oh, Colson Loveland is our dude and Hanson's our next dude. And the two of them were like playing next to each other, working out together, and are compared to each other by the same people who were developing these guys. So Hanson's probably more of a receiver than we give him credit for because he's playing in that offense. And, yeah. you know, when, when Lorenz is jumping up and down about a guy, I normally take notice because he – you know, he's hearing it from the coaches or he's hearing it from people who are no who know things that the general recruiting industry doesn't know. Well, Prescorn is like his tape is full of contested catches. He's got super long arms. He's really good at high pointing balls. Like you if he if he's not Colson Loveland, he seems like he's Jake Butt. Mm-hmm. Uh he's a guy who I think is is gonna be a hit and if Colson Loveland didn't exist, he could be in that same boat where he starts playing a bunch next year just because he's that dude. Um, as it is, I think he might not even redshirt, although he is pretty like he they could use a year to, to put Yeah, some he's more of a six six receiver right now. Like he's the <clears throat> yeah, opposite. That's what end Loveland was. True. Right? Loveland <laughs> Loveland was that guy too. I know. But uh, we used to say this until Loveland actually played as a true freshman. We were all like, unless you're Brock Bowers, it's literally impossible to come in as this guy from Idaho as a receiver and right. just play. And even then he was not I mean, even now he's Loveland's only kind of like an okay blocker. Um but Right. He's he gets in the way and that's enough. Right. Breescorn also has a brother uh who's a FBS or Power Five player uh, at Ole Miss, originally at Memphis, uh, then transferred to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss pushed for pre-scoring pretty late in the cycle. They didn't get anywhere, but there's some pedigree there in terms of uh, family production. All right, on to the offensive line class. This was um, the strength of Michigan's recruiting class, as it usually will be going forward, I imagine. And you know, the rankings aren't like these guys aren't all super five stars. I, I don't care. The way these recruitments went was highly encouraging. Michigan got five guys in the class very quickly. It was clear that they were picking and choosing, and they were trying to get a sixth guy who didn't didn't really come off. But these players look like they will continue Michigan's tradition of offensive line play going forward. The top-ranked guy is Andrew Sprague, a 6'8 tackle out of Kansas City the number 56 player in the country to 24-7, a guy who rose significantly after his commitment on 24-7. And you're, what you want from him is you want a prototype left tackle. You want Jake Long. Mm-hmm. You want a guy who is just erasing pass rushers on, on the edge. And he's got that potential. Well, good news. Just like Jake Long, he plays basketball. 
and he's crazy athletic. He's six foot eight, and he is—he's a guy that big programs were taking a swing at, even up until like this week. Notre Dame kind of had this whole strategy of because they knew that they were going to lose their legendary coach, the NFL. So they waited till they got a new OL coach to to try to go after him. Um, and I think that Alabama kind of came in late. Like uh, I don't know if they have a signature in yet right now because he's the. Like they, there's been a little bit of concern that like you know someone's going to throw a whole bunch of bag at him because he really is that prototypical tackle and might be you know the first tackle taken in the draft when it when all said and done he has that kind of athleticism they're obviously going to have to put some weight on him and have him you know spend some time in the program but if you're looking for the kind of guy that's going to hit as a Jake Long they haven't really recruited one in a while and I think this is the closest they've had. Um, Interestingly, when Michigan was talking about who they're going to put left and right, they had Sprague at right tackle, even though Frazier plays right tackle now. Uh, but for the typical left tackle, however you want to put it. Speaking of, Blake Frazier is the son of Steve Frazier, an offensive lineman here in the late 90s. <clears throat> I <You> remember. <laughs> <laughs> number 225 to 24 7, number 170 on the composite. Another guy who rose significantly after his commitment. Michigan was competing mostly with Texas, USC, Oregon. Like a who's who of college football programs wanted this guy, but the legacy won out, and, and Michigan gets a guy. I mean, I'm never going to say that there are offensive linemen who are can't miss after the last two can't miss guys missed. Um, <laughs> it's a it. Nolan Rumler, and uh, who was the center? Oh, Patrick Cooper. Patrick Cooper, yeah. Yeah, so there's no such thing as a can't-miss offensive lineman, but Frazier checks all the boxes. Seth, you wrote all these offensive line ones. So I think you, you did. I, I, if I recall, you did Blake Frazier, but oh, I was... Did I do Frazier? Yeah, but okay. I was... But, I mean, he yeah. was... He is... Um, I He was a guy that I thought was basically going to be his dad, without looking originally, who was a athletic, maybe a little too small uh, guard, sometimes center, kind of the guy getting Tom Brady sacked a little bit too much. Um, yeah, my my memory of him was that he was not really anywhere on the rankings when he got yeah. in the class for, for Michigan and then just rocketed up. Yeah, and what he was is he was six five two sixty when yep. on his as a on his sophomore roster, which for some reason your sophomore roster size ends up as your recruiting size unless somebody goes back and changes it, and they often don't. Uh, but he's probably more like six 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 seven now. He's probably closer to three hundred, if uh, if not already there. Uh, his, you know, he's not his dad. Is what I'm saying. He's super athletic. A lot of teams that run stretch, and Brian, you mentioned Oregon, and like a lot of teams that need a very athletic guy in space. We're targeting Frazier, and. You know, we've talked about Capana as like a guy that we'd love to see him like put a foot in the ground and go on on stretch. Michigan's tried to run that before. Some of these guys that they have not necessarily on the interior, but um, you know, if Frazier Frazier ends up at a tackle, they could probably run stretch with him at least. All right, uh, two offensive linemen out of Ohio, very early commits. Luke Hamilton is the higher rated. Uh, ben Roebuck is the lower rated. Roebuck is a 6'7 tackle who's currently uh, listed at 320, uh, a guy who's probably going to need to refine down, which is not something that you see a lot of for Michigan these days. Michigan is always taking tight ends and making them in the tackles. This is a little bit different, more of a Ben Braden vibe from, from Roebuck. 
Uh, I would say Keegan. I mean, he was kind of okay. a four-star, really smart guy everyone knew about, plays for a big-time program. Um, the, uh, the, the weird thing with Roebuck is that he plays with a pair of twins who went to Ohio State. And when you want to compare what Michigan's looking for, remember I mentioned just a second ago that like they might want to run stretch with Frazier. You're probably not running stretch with Roebuck. You are running power with right. Roebuck. And he is a, just like Keegan, not a guy. And Braden is like a leaner, right? Braden was a little too top yeah. heavy. I don't want to use him as an example. But Keegan is not necessarily athletic enough to run stretch. And when he gets challenged like that, that's where you run into problems. But Roebuck was playing as a freshman for St. Ed's, which is one of the biggest programs, probably the biggest program in Ohio. And he's just a very smart guy. Uh, another guy that Lorenz has been all about saying that he's underrated. But when you want to talk about what does Michigan look for in their offensive line recruits, they want a guy who's really smart and who's just going to maul you. What does Ohio State look for in their recruits? They want athletes who have a lot of length. And, yeah, you didn't mention yeah. who the twins were. Yeah, the was it Devante and Deva- what the Armstrong? Devante and Deontay, Deontay something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the Armstrong twins. But they've been putting the Armstrong twins out at, at the tackles and letting Roebuck play. Um, but Roebuck was holding them off for a long time. Like the two of those had to wait for Roebuck to you know to get out of the way before they could uh, they could play tackle. Um, and they kind of came up late. So I mean, we'll see. But. You know, Michigan did offer the Armstrong twins, but they definitely wanted Roebuck the most. And Ohio State kind of came in too late to to make it because Michigan was really focusing on him. Um, but he's the kind of guy that you know Ohio State used to when they were running Dave, when you know they had that Trestle program going, and they always had a good big offensive line. Roebuck is exactly the kind of player they used to have. Luke Hamilton is the other Ohio State commit, more of an interior guy at six foot five. Um... He went to Avon. Who's the quarterback we got out of Avon? I, I why do I? I, I just what? see the uniforms and I'm like, oh yeah, there was that three-star quarterback who we had to play who wasn't very. Who wasn't oh great. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about. I'm gonna. It's gonna bother me. You talk That's and I'll right. figure it out. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, this is the point on the program where we talk about people who played football for Michigan <laughs> before Alex could use a spoon. <laughs> he still knows them all. <laughs> I know. Um, so Hamilton is a four-star guy, both on the composite and, uh, two twenty-four-seven, number 16 interior offensive lineman to 24, seven. So this was the guy I was going to compare to Keegan. Yeah. I mean, he is a, he's, I, I think he's more just a plain mauler. He is just a guy who, I mean, Keegan looked like a tackle and then well, he, he moved was, him inside. He was, he was as a recruit, he was a tackle. Yeah, and everybody expected that he would play attack as tackle at, at tackle because he was just outside the top 100, if I recall correctly. And Michigan, like I think, took a couple looks at him and like you're a guard. And I feel like that's yeah. what Luke Hamilton is. He is a guard. Yeah, no, I and that happened in the middle of the cycle where they they took him. I, I think he committed really early, like in December. Or, he did. Yeah, November twenty two. Um. And since then, so the, the knock on him then is that he had a lot of punch. And this is something we saw at a basketball game a few weeks after he committed where he was, you know, sitting down where, and, you know, he's, he's a just big dude. I don't know what the, what, what the official sizes are, but whatever they are, gotta be ridiculous. But he's since supposedly lost weight 
kind of changed his body size, um, has been coming up to Michigan a whole lot and working out here. So he's been someone who's, I mean, he was a very early, very like Michigan wants to go to Ohio and get some guys. And he was like the face of that. He was the one bringing people to Ohio. He was carrying a sign around with the Chrysler saying like, Hey, best players in Ohio go to Michigan. Um, and as far as, you know, as the player himself, I mean, Keegan is fine. I think, you know, this is the one I would, you know, Blake Barr would be the the more – he's he's kind of a leaner when I see him play. Like, he's – I, I don't I, – I think there's, there's some technique issues that they have to work on as well as changing the body type. All right. Uh, the final offensive lineman in the class is Jake Guarniera, who it's is a center. Guarniera. Yeah. Okay. Guarniera. Yeah who Michigan targeted as their center in the class from the start, uh, despite the fact that he plays tackle, which is something that we don't <laughs> like to see necessarily. It's not like it's a bad thing, but we prefer our centers to be guys who they have to play at center um, because no one else can get the line calls right. But his recruitment uh, felt very familiar because there were a bunch of schools that were after him who have decided that they wanted him to play center and Michigan just was ahead of the pack. I think because, you know, you could go play center at Florida or you could play center at Michigan and maybe they'll recruit over you a couple times, but it's fine. Crip don't get to play next year. Uh, and he's a guy who is a little smaller than the rest of the, the guys that they've recruited listed at six foot four. So probably an inch or two shorter than that. And a guy who's not going to protect the edge, a guy who his, is projected to be on the interior, but has all the mental attributes you want from that position. Yeah, he he's shorter than the other guys in the class, but he's taller than some of the other centers Michigan was looking at. So that was something that was talked about in his profile. The other centers were like six foot six one type of guys, but uh, yeah, Michigan wanted him. He was right near the top of their board the whole way. They won him over some of the regional uh, recruitments coming out of Florida. It's been really big on Michigan the whole way. He's been continuing to recruit other guys in, in Florida. There was really no wavering with him, so that's good. Um, just seems like a, a promising player. Not ranked super high because a guy destined for center generally isn't, but um, trust Michigan's eval on this one. Yeah, it wasn't just Michigan's eval. Like the He was the yeah. number one center on their board, and you you forget because we've been getting centers from IMG who get to actually play center in high school but nobody gets to play center in high school you every or or like you know a guy who started for 4 years at Cast Tech normally that's not how it goes normally you play tackle because that's where you need a great offensive lineman in high school but Michigan knows what they're looking for Guinera is what they were looking for. He was their number one prospect at center. He was the number one prospect for a lot of other schools at center. And I think he's one of those guys that you can, when you look back and say, what did Michigan get out of, you know, winning the Joe Moore award a couple times? Like who, who was interested in them because of that? Guinera is certainly one of them. He mentioned Oluwatimi several times during his, uh, you know, around the time he committed as like, that's a guy I consider remiling my game after and really respect what he does. And probably not going to be Oluwatimi and win the Rivington and the, but that's, you know, he's the kind of similar style of player where he just, he loves the mall guy. He's a finisher. He's a lot more of a guard um, as far as what you're talking about at center than like pure center. Like he is going to push guys over. 
He played some basketball, did some throwing track and field events, and his dad was a lineman for Rutgers in the early 90s and made an NFL training camp at one point. So some pedigree there as well. Finally, we mentioned Zach Ludwig briefly when we were talking about the offense. I mean, the defense, because he is listed as a linebacker. But Ludwig is a deep sleeper who I think is related to Ben Herbert, if I'm correct, a nephew perhaps. Um, He has virtually no recruiting profile. He is the number 1,757 player in the composite, so about average for what Michigan State's doing this year. But we project that he's going to come in red shirt and try to be Ben Bredesen, not Ben Bredesen, Max Bredesen. Max Bredesen. Yeah, and in fairness to Michigan State, they're having a good day today, so I think the the new coach smell is helping them get over the Zach Ludwig side. That's not not funny. You can't say that. (laughs) The Ludwig... Ludwig is, I don't know if he's, um, if they got a LOI in yet. I was kind of waiting to see if he was going to be a official commit or if he was going to be one of those, you know, preferred walk-ons who, you know, NIL takes care of. But either way, we've wanted them to get a fullback for a while, and yay, Michigan recruited a fullback. And if he is related to Ben Herbert, which I thought was true, again, I don't know, remember where we got that from, but that's kind of what you're looking for if you want a fullback, right? Yep. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and kind of wrap it up. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. Now that the temperatures are dropping in Michigan, you can count on our vast network of service technicians to keep your heating system up and running. We offer 24-7 emergency service and have advanced scouting on all makes and models. So if you find yourself without heat or hot water or want a free estimate on a new system, call or text us at 734 238 3698 or book an appointment at sharonsheating.com Passion for e-commerce sell stuff online security performance conversion beautiful user experiences bella experience utilizador monthly marketing ppc seo make your user a customer Art de Perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind. Change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248-924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. 
a special signing day edition of MGO Radio. Michigan is currently 16th in the composite, which was a little bit of a disappointment because at one point they were number one overall. So we're, we're number one overall in the country right now. So I, I, I take them. Yeah. I mean, like some people are going to be like, ah, but I'm like, ah, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Michigan loaded up on the lines. Um, both lines, and I think that's a spot where their development has really helped out. And the way these recruitments played out, it was clear that a very good offensive line coach was getting his plan A guys. It was clear that a very good defensive line coach was getting his plan A guys, except at edge. But Michigan was able to make up for that late in the, late in the year. Um, tight ends, always going to be a strength. Running back is a strength. You know, the one kind of thing I would want in this class that we, Michigan doesn't have is just another guy at cornerback who Michigan pirated away from Ryan Walters. Like, yeah. like that's the spot on the field where I feel like really high ranked guys are likely to hit. Um, and that and wide receiver are two spots where Michigan has not been consistently getting top 250 guys. And is a little bit concerning perhaps down the road that they won't have a difference maker. And Roman Wilson is a guy who's been very important to this team. And he mostly came to Michigan because his parents were big Michigan fans, possibly alums. I don't remember. So without those connections, I think Michigan is going to have to balance their offense a little bit more if they're going to perform better in these uh, situations. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's going to, I mean, Guys want to go and play, and if there's only two spots on the roster to play, and then you know they have all these tight ends, it's um, they you can the portal does fix things a little bit because if you get to the end of the season and you don't have a receiver who's going to be your obvious number one, someone's going to be like, oh, well, I want to go be number one as long as you have the quarterback. So yeah, if you know they 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 got to get their bag in order. And that that goes for cornerback. That was the problem with defensive tackle for a while too. Like there's I mean, positions where you know a guy is going to be a five star. You know that that five star is going to translate. And teams but like, like I don't, I don't think they really got in their bag for the defensive tackle stuff. Because like when Grant committed, he was a three star. Mm-hmm. When Mason Graham committed, they flipped him from Boise State. Like they aren't going after the top of the end bad guys. They're just scouting. Yeah, and then you see guys commit to Michigan, and then they rise up the rankings, and then people run at them with bags. And what how, what were the decommits in this class? There were the two kids who flipped to Kentucky, and the well, yeah, the Smith brothers were. I the, yeah, they were. That was a weird recruitment from the beginning. Those guys were their their dad is like a, a super weird football guy, but uh, the there were the there's the guy who went to Miami, and, Elias Rudolph, yeah. yeah. And that was and that kind of put, and they but, they fixed it because they they got Lugard at Opey, so yeah, they got, so the same kind of, they got the same player. Who, who is that guy? He's not like a bag, not a guy who's going to be fielding huge bag offers, right? Mm-hmm. So what they're doing really well is they're scouting, they're going off their own instincts, and they're picking up guys like Ben Hall to to name one, and mm-hmm. and guys like Luke Schoonmaker, and like they're developing guys and they're finding guys that can be developed and. I'm not concerned about where this class is ranked for the most part, but there are, there's just those places on the edges of a football field where you're either, you either got or you don't. And I I would like to see Michigan 
do a little bit better there. That's yeah. that's my only my only. Yeah, concern. I mean, wide receiver is always going to be that tough battle. But corner, the interesting thing I think with this cycle is that they seem to like twenty twenty five a lot better. And so if you look at how the recruiting board is setting up for twenty five, which probably get to in January. There's like a lot of guys, five, six different four-star corners that they're in on and have crystal balls for. Well, Only Chris Ewald's been in the class for a year. Chris Ewald, yeah. where they're going to battle to keep him because he's from top 100 from Florida. But He does not uh, seem like yeah, a like, flip, man. He is like... He, he's he, stuck with Michigan a long time. He's stuck with Michigan yeah, a long time, and like every other tweet he has is like Michigan, Michigan. He like, if he's like, yeah. He's part of Michigan Twitter during games now. So the, huh. the point being that they decided to, you know, they went after West and Scott. And they didn't get them because they were dyed in the wool buck, Buckeyes and Michigan isn't throwing around the ultra bag. And then as soon as that happened, they went right to Edmund and uh, Jeremiah Lowe, got them both. And then they were like, we're done. We don't feel like adding anyone else. And the what was sort of said from the insiders was basically like, yeah, they're planning like a six-man DB class for 2025. They really like this, uh, the way the board lays out. They think it's much deeper. So if they do their shopping in 25 and they and they fill that up, then there's less of a concern. But obviously, that is an area where you'd want some more blue chips. And as a whole, I think this class is really good. But you'd absolutely like just a couple more top 50 to 100 guys sprinkled in at different positions. All right, lightning round. Most underrated, Alex. Ooh. Uh, I mean, again, I'll just stick with the Pally Pally answer. Yeah, um, I'm All going. Right. I'm going with Jaden Smith because there. I, I I know that he's moved up and he's starting to get rated as he's supposed to. But you know, people aren't talking about him. We you literally forgot him in this podcast, and I mean that's that is a player who like very kind of quietly you know came into the class and um, if he develops as an edge you could talk i mean there you don't want to say micah parsons out loud but you know a diet micah parsons is kind of what we're talking about we're a guy who could who has the athleticism to start at linebacker and if you want to move him down and play 5-1 and have him your, be your edge he's actually going to destroy any tackle he goes against and you know the kind of defense that michigan plays he's a guy i think you know in a year or two that you could really see him you know, for, he'll show up as a as just an edge rusher at first, and then they start rolling him in as linebacker, and that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, Cole Sullivan. Uh, he is a four star on the composite, ranked just outside the top three hundred. But you don't get those kind of heated Notre Dame Michigan recruiting battles over guys who are just guys. Mm-hmm. So he's he's an athlete. He's he's I, the thing is he could be an edge at some point. He's got he's six foot three. I'm not exactly sure where he fits on the defense, but you know, uh, it's giving me Jake Ryan vibes. Mm-hmm. So he's my guy. <clears throat> Most likely to see the field early, Alex. Ooh, um, and I'd probably go with uh, Jordan Marshall. I, mean, I know running back's going to be really competitive and everything, but he just looks like a dude. And running back's a position where you can play right away, and I, I think they'll have some carries available for him. Seth? I mean, the the, the soft answer would be um, that, uh, Dominic Nichols, who's kind of like the Mike Morris strong side edge guy because he he's the one who's supposed to be coming in polished. Um, 
Marshall's another good one, but I I'm going to go out with uh, with Amarian Stewart just because what receivers do they have who have speed? And if he does, you know, take the top off of the defense, we saw this year that you know Samaj Morgan played really like they're probably looking for somebody who can come in and play, and that's a guy that they've been looking forward to playing for a while. So he's also a returner. Again, Samaj Morgan might be in his way there, but you know Stewart has a lot of different paths to the field. So that's. It's, I, they're all supposed to redshirt, right? Like that's not the class is not made to be starting right away. So those are your answers. Jordan Marshall is really the only answer here because I can't see anyone else playing early, which is great. Mm-hmm. Michigan is no longer in a spot where they're trying to fill in holes, especially because with the portal, you know, it's like, no, oh, we got a hole. We can, we don't have to p- plug in a true freshman. All right. Who gets drafted highest when it all comes down to being drafted? I'm glad Ooh. Alex has to go first. Too, Alex. <laughs> um, I would probably say Andrew Sprague. I feel like that's a premium position and tackles are always uh, wanted in the NFL. And he's got a very, very good looking profile. Michigan develops so well, well. So if he hits, he'll probably go very, very high. Seth. Yeah, I'm just going to do the flip side of that is Devin Baxter. Just you know, if Michigan could design an edge prospect, that's exactly what they would look like. He's got bend, he's got length. They've got to develop him, obviously, but we've seen Michigan knows how to do that. And he's a year ahead of uh, Edopali, so he's not you know ads. He's not like just coming from basketball last year. So I think that you know, if, if you see someone blow up into a first round defensive edge, Baxter's the guy. Give me Josiah Edmond. <laughs> You really I really like Ryan, Ryan Walters. Walters. <laughs> and I believe in Steve Clickscale, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, Walters is the one guy who you can understand why he's a little mad about or, or trying to really nail Michigan about sign stealing because we just steal all of his players. The one who got away, Alex. Oh, guys that you're saying that we thought we were going to get and then didn't. Yeah, or just like the one guy that you wish had, that was a realistic prospect who you wish ended up in the class. Ooh. Um, Do you want me to go for while you're while you're waiting? Yeah, there? Seth. Seth, you go first. Because I want to take Aaron Scott before you think. Yeah, about it. yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, not just really yeah, not just because like that, every elite corner you need. And we've been talking since the two thousands about uh, how like you need three cornerbacks in every class because I know you can hit the portal and get a guy, but like that's it's a position where athleticism matters and. And we'd be taking him away from Ohio State. Here's a guy who grew up a Buckeye. He was the number one player in Ohio. It would have been wonderful to to drive that deep into Ohio's territory. Yeah, the other answer, I think, was Aaron Childs, the linebacker yeah. who Michigan thought they had for a long time and then flipped to Florida at the last second. And we can debate whether he would have been a good culture fit because <laughs> people who were <laughs> flipping to Florida over Michigan – might not be the you know exactly what they're well, looking for, but yeah, and he was Florida a had to like throw some bag at him this morning too. I think like there was he was yeah. he was up on twenty four seven site again today, so there was something going on there. But Michigan really wanted him, and he was a top one hundred, really athletic linebacker. So I definitely would have would have liked him. My answer is a little bit off the wall here. It is Isaiah Marshall, who is a quarterback in the state of Michigan, who signed with Kansas, mm-hmm. and. I was just kind of hoping towards the end of the year that Michigan would take a poke around him and just, you know, he's 
he's only six foot. There's a reason he's going to Kansas, but I just wanted Michigan to give themselves some more options. Jaden Davis isn't a guy who's getting it chased away by, by Bryce Underwood. I don't think he's going to get chased away by like a kid who was going to Kansas, but there's, you know, another, another option at quarterback, even if he's a bit of a long shot. Uh, it was something yeah, that he also is a guy with positional um, versatility, right? Like, yeah, that too. Like yeah. you, you might find something there with him and mm-hmm. whether that's at wide receiver or cornerback, like I thought he was worth a, worth a shot, but Michigan yeah. didn't really yeah, the, like, sneak around. The guys we haven't mentioned who probably should are like some of the safeties that they were after. I know they, um, yeah, Boo Carter would have been nice. Well, Boo Carter was the nickel. Yeah, he's he's a dude. But like Tennessee was, I mean, he's a Tennessee guy, and Michigan was trying to steal one there. They were really in on some of like the five star safeties, like Zaquan Patterson ends up signing Patterson, with Miami, yeah. and KJ Bolden, who ended up being like a you know an end of the day bag story that I think he signed with FSU in the end. But um, like Michigan was in on those guys early, and I. I wanted them to get in on at least one of these safeties, and there's just a whole list of guys that they offered that, you know, they they they're happy with Odin. They got you know they got the one guy that they were going to get, but I think they wanted a second safety in this class, and you know they ran out of options. Finally, uh, props to Mikai Guy, the last prospect ranked on on twenty four seven, number ninety seven kid in Michigan is a five foot six quarterback going to Wayne State. Well. <laughs> I just, I love that. That's amazing. Anyway. All right. We're going to wrap this class up and start looking towards the portal. Michigan got Jaishan Barham, the Maryland linebacker transfer. Alex, you've scouted him for a couple of years. Your take? Yeah. Barham was, I think, like uh, close to the top 100 in the composite in his recruiting year. I don't remember. Was he a St. Francis kid? I think yes. he was. Yeah, he was, he was um, a St. Francis kid, but I think he's from the same, like, um, neighborhood as um, as Arpaye. like they they they, they, okay. they they committed at the same time. I think their families know each other. It's a that's a connection too. Yeah. So he stayed in state at Maryland, and when I did the 2022 uh, scouting reports on Maryland, that was a September game, a late September game, it was their first Big Ten game. So that was only three four games into his true freshman season, and he was already starting at middle linebacker as a true freshman and it was sort of like okay we'll see how this goes and i remember thinking like wow he's actually not doing too badly for those circumstances and maryland had had this chronic bad linebacker problem for many years so they were like well we'll just throw him out there he's athletic see what he can't be any worse than what we have we've had these four guys we don't want for years Ruben and uh (laughs) yeah yeah so he just hung in there in that game. And then by the end of the season, I remember in the offseason looking at the uh, the PFF grades, and it was sort of a situation where not just did he play well for a true freshman, he played well overall. He was a 75, something like 78. that. 78. Fre- they gave him a yeah. 78 as a true freshman. They gave him an freshman. 83 in coverage. Yeah, so it was. I was thinking, this guy looks like a, a superstar in the making if he can do that as a true freshman. And uh, when I saw him this year, seem pretty good as well um that's uh that's what i have at the moment i'll go back and look at the clips i have and everything but uh he any any linebacker that can do what he did as a true freshman i'm absolutely interested in and compared to ernest houseman who was kind of pressed into duty too early and was 
pretty bad as a true freshman outside of his one Michigan performance that announced himself. Barham's got two years starting experience with a much more established track record. So uh, I don't think there is as much development needed there. Yeah, and he had a lower PFF score this year, but they um, most of that was in coverage. They gave him a 45 in coverage. And as far as linebacker coverage, after grading it for a few years, I imagine that any score you come up with is probably, you know, got a lot of wiggle room in it. It's very hard to determine, especially with linebackers, who was supposed to be in coverage, if that was really his job or someone else's. Was he supposed to switch? Was he supposed to get over? Did they just find the hole in the zone? Um, you know, because they've been giving Junior Colson high grades for years, and I'm like, this is, you know, he's covering grass. Um, and you, I don't think we saw that much with Barham. I, I think that, you know, he was the one who they put on Edwards. Uh, they were one of the only teams that actually did that. Uh, you know, most teams just put a safety on him when he ever uh, he moved out. And that, more than anything, was like, okay, that's – if you have a linebacker that you trust in Don, with Donovan Edwards and man coverage, you've got, a, you've got a talented player. So Michigan is still looking for pieces in the portal. Uh, the two guys at wide receiver who Michigan was linked with, uh, McCulley went back to Indiana and Purdue – I mean, Purdue transfer Dion Burks went to – forget – Again, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> He's off the board. Um, so they're still poking around um, the Wake Forest transfer. Oklahoma. Sorry. Deion yeah. Burks went to Oklahoma. Uh, I forget his name, but he uh, he's also like a, a St. Francis guy. So they have an in there with him. And, of course, the big news is that Damani Jackson hit the portal and Michigan players were sort of tweeting stuff out earlier in the month with like eyeballs and brother stuff. Um, St. Rastill and Will Johnson did. So I expect Michigan to be heavily involved there. They were a, a big competitor when he was uh, on the market as a recruit and he hasn't played well at USC, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still got the athleticism. He can still run. So I still, I feel like he would be a worthwhile ad because you could turn him into something. Maybe, it would take a year before he gets really good, but I don't think you can turn down that kind of athleticism at cornerback if he wants to come. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they added an offensive lineman. There's no one really on the board. Uh, Joey Slackman canceled his visit. They could pick up a defensive tackle or they could just ride with the three guys they got and hope that Trey Pierce in his second year is a dude. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, do they even need anything else? I don't think so. Like what, what are the holes on next year's team? Well, possibly quarterback, but you can't go get a starting quarterback right. if your quarterback might come back next year. That's not going to happen. So they uh, they really can stand pat. Like some people were talking about taking a running back. No. <laughs> no. But there's so many out there. <laughs> like, like I know like every single time we he, uh, he comes up that like, you know, the, the guy from Detroit who plays for Minnesota, everyone's like, oh, that guy would be great in, in Michigan. But no, we have – we have running backs. We have plenty of them. I, th I mean, I think we wanted a receiver, and that that was a little been a little difficult to find. Um, and then they are going to get um, that Western Kentucky nickel Upton Stout, I think. Yeah, Upton Stout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's five foot nine? I mean, Sainer still. He's he's Sainer still. And 
you know, they love him at Western Kentucky. He's, you know, a little jitterbug who plays a lot of heart, and I don't think there's anything more you need to say other than the word Sainer still to explain him. I yeah, wouldn't okay. mind uh I wouldn't mind like an offensive lineman, especially a tackle, but those are hard to find in the portal. So unless you come across something particularly interesting, you don't necessarily need it. But if there was a plug and play option, that would be wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, it is notable that there was some sort of I think it might have been on TikTok where Trent A. Jones spends his time, but he was doing some sort of Q&A and someone asked him if he would be back next year. And he said that he would be if Michigan wanted him back and they're definitely going to want him back. Mm-hmm. So of the three guys who could stay or go, that's one who will be back. And I, I would expect Barnhart to be back and I would expect Hinton to be back. So they could, I mean, in that situation, I'd be really comfortable just plugging in, you know, GL Hadi and Crippen on the interior and just rolling with it. The uh, wide receiver I was trying to come up with, his name is Jamal Banks, six foot four kid out of St. Francis. Uh, I think he had about 60 catches last year, has excellent PFF grades, and his uh, career contested catch rate of 66%. So if they could get him, I would be I would be pretty happy about it. But you know, with Barham, and then if they do get Damani Jackson, I mean, three or four guys would be about all they need this year. Yeah. I mean, the, it really matters what happens with the NFL. Right, like so, are they going to lose um, uh, AJ Barner to the NFL this year? And do they need, you know, do they need to go get a tight end after that? So, like, those are the questions that they, and obviously, quarterback is the, you know, that's the big one. So, there's always another round, right? Like right now, the portal is uh, are the guys who got to the end of, the, of a bad season and wanted to leave, or we're not starting and decided like maybe I'll find some greener pastures elsewhere, but there's also, you know, guys who stick around until spring and then they transfer then. Um, and there's always kind of a round in February too, when players have a, you know, an idea of what happens with their coaching and whatnot, like who's coming back. There's, there are more questions to be answered out there and there's a lot more guys who are going to be in the portal who are not in there yet. Uh, especially if, you know, if Michigan doesn't mind talking to them when they're not quite in the portal yet, which I don't think anyone in college football minds doing that. So there's it's it's going to be interesting to watch, but because Michigan's in the playoffs, they don't really know what they need. Because Michigan's got a lot of guys who are going to go to the NFL um, or have to, NFL decisions to make, I think they're probably looking to the portal to replace anybody who they lose that way. All right. Well, uh, you want to talk about another American? Talk about Bear Talk before about, we go. Oh yeah, and there, there is one more recruit who Michigan is heavily involved with. With uh, what's Gatlin um, Bear? Gatlin Bear, a track star wide receiver out of Idaho who is committed to Boise State until they fired their head coach and then won the Mountain West. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and Michigan and Oregon are currently competing for his signature. Uh, sounds like Michigan has the edge right now. He is a Mormon. So he'll be going on a two-year mission. So he's really a 2026 recruit. Mm-hmm. So, well, there you go. We need receivers. Yeah, delayed, <laughs> delayed gratification. Uh, but he's super fast. Like everyone is like, this is the fastest guy we've ever seen. So right, yes, yeah. and he's a a Mormon out of Idaho. So. Well, when when they were getting Loveland and they talked to, because another one of those guys who works out, uh, you know, with the the trainer out there. So, like the first thing they said after we got Loveland is like, "Oh, wait, do you see this guy Gatlin Bear that's coming up? Because he is just a ridiculous athlete. He's not just fast; he is um, a Xavier Worthy level 
Xavier Worthy, worthy player. He's a, you know, he's that kind of athlete. You never know what you're going to get out of a guy after a two-year Mormon mission, but it went speed, you know. I think Oregon has a good sell because they have their, um, they're Oregon. Oregon. (laughs) And we're Michigan. (laughs) And Michigan has some ins with, with him through Andrew Gentry, who, Know, was Mormon did a two-year mission, so there's some familiarity. Yeah, I think they're he's friends with the loved ones too. I think that familiarity yeah. is more personal. Yeah. All right, guys, was well, another signing day. Exciting. Exciting. All right. See you guys later. Singing this crazy is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own He hates Aruska, he hates a vodka bandit from his home He hates Aruska, Aruska. Vodka. vodka, he never drank a single drop He hates Aruska, Aruska. Vodka. vodka, this poison he swears